0: Evangelist. I would like to welcome you to an exciting new series I'm putting on each month in 2017. In the month of January, I'm going to go through 30 days to a better compliance program. So each day I will detail some part of a compliance program that you can utilize to help you improve to have a best practices compliance program for 2017. With the operationalization of compliance mandated by the Department of Justice in the form of their compliance counsel, Wei Chin, and incorporated into the FCPA pilot program announced by the Department of Justice in April 2016, it's more important than ever that you upgrade your compliance program and show how you've operationalized. In this series, I'm gonna help you do that. I hope you will enjoy this series. I hope you will join me, and I look forward to this journey with you. Welcome to day two of 30 Days to a Better Compliance Program. Today I'm going to focus on the Code of Conduct, Policies, Procedures, and Internal Controls. The cornerstone of any compliance program is its written protocols. This includes a Code of Conduct, Policies, and Procedures. A company's code of conduct is often the foundation upon which an effective compliance program has or will be built. The Department of Justice has often noted that effective codes of conduct are clear, concise, and accessible to all employees and those conducting business on the company's behalf. Indeed, uh, this means it would be difficult to implement an effective compliance program that is not available in local languages, So, that employees and forum subsidiaries can assess and understand it as well. When the regulators come knocking, they will review whether the company's charter and code of conduct have taken steps to make sure that it remains current effective and has been reviewed periodically and updated. I'm going to talk about updating in a separate podcast, so uh, we'll take that one up later. Nevertheless, the code of conduct should be or should demonstrate your company's ethical attitude and a system-wide emphasis on applicable laws and regulations. Your code of conduct is going to be broader than uh, anti-corruption. You're going to have anti-discrimination, uh, anti-competitive issues, data privacy, those sorts of things. But For a anti-corruption perspective, you need to detail that your company is going to do business ethically and in compliance with all laws. It should be applicable literally from the boardroom to the shop floor. And everyone must be able to read, receive, read, and understand, and then agree to abide by the standards of the Code of Conduct. But more than simply the boardroom to the shop floor, you need to consider who's going to be charged by the Code of Conduct in terms of your third-party sales agents and those in your supply chain. So you need to think about what issues and what areas will apply to those uh, groups who will do business with you and for you as well. The substance of your Code of Conduct should be tailored to your culture, your industry, and your corporate identity. It should provide a mechanism by which employees who are trying to do the right thing can do so. That means uh, the business guy who's trying to follow the code of conduct certainly needs to be to understand it. Uh, your disciplinary procedures need to be stated in your code of conduct so that that is clear. Uh, what uh, will happen to employees who violate it? A moment about translations, because this is something that has come up over the last couple of years from government regulators. It many companies have a business policy of English only across the globe, and when it comes to key corporate documents around compliance and ethics, uh, that view uh, has been changed by the Department of Justice, and they would like to see and indeed are mandating translations into other languages as necessary so applicable persons can understand it. That may also mean you need to train others in your uh, code of conduct in their, their native language. I often say the three most important things about your compliance program are to document, document, document. The same is true of communicating your code of conduct. You need to do more than simply put it on your website and tell people it's there. You need to document that employees have received it, that they have read it, they understand it, and they are going to abide by that, and you need to do that on an annual basis. For employees, it's important uh, to have a representative of the legal or compliance department or other qualified trainer explain the code of conduct and be available to answer questions that uh, might come up. So what's the value of having a code of conduct? I've heard many business folks ask that question over the years. In the early days, a code of conduct tended to be a lawyer-written, lawyer-driven document to waive in a defense situation simply by claiming to uh show that we have such a document. But a code of conduct really should be simply more than your company's law. It should be the aspirational goal of your company and one that the employees can turn themselves to. Next, policies, procedures, and internal controls. Written policies and procedures are long established as a part of a best practices compliance program. Among the risks a company needs to address in these from the anti-corruption compliance perspective are the following. Transactions with foreign government officials, uh, payments to foreign officials, use of third parties, gifts, travel, and entertainment expenses, charitable and political donations, and facilitating uh, and expediting payments. Your policies help form the basis of expectation and conduct Uh, for these uh, various areas, and the procedures you have in your uh, documents implement the standards of conduct. Another way to think of this is that policies, procedures, and indeed even your company internal controls are an interrelated set of control mechanisms. Uh, Aaron Murphy uh, has said that internal controls are policies, procedures, and monitoring and training that are designed to ensure that company assets are properly used with proper approval and transactions are recorded properly in the books and records. He goes on to note that while it is theoretically possible to have good controls, but bad books and records and vice versa, the two usually go hand in hand. Where there are record-keeping violations an internal control failure is almost always presumed because the records would have been accurate had the controls been followed. So your policies and procedures implement your code of conduct, and your written controls both act as a preventative mechanism and a detection mechanism. So if you think about it that way, I think it might help you to understand how these work together and how they are interrelated. One of the questions I'm often asked is, well, what should be the length of these documents? I have seen policies around anti-corruption compliance between 5 to 15 pages. I have seen procedures um, which are typically longer, but I have seen procedures of up to 65 pages. What works is what works for your company. If there is a high risk around third parties, you may want to have more detailed procedures and policies around third parties. If your risk is around gifts, travel, and entertainment, you may want to have detailed policies and procedures around gifts, travel, and entertainment, but also in conjunction with your internal controls. So your risks will what drive perhaps the, the length and depth and breadth of not only the policy, but the procedures to implement that policy. So what are the three key takeaways from day two of 30 days for a better compliance program or to a better compliance program? Well, on your code of conduct, <clears throat> the first is to remember the United Airlines enforcement action that A code of conduct is actually now an internal control. So you need to have a mechanism in place to uh, test the effectiveness of this and document that employees would follow it going forward. And if there's an exception to the code of conduct, there's a specific approval process for this. Number two, on the breadth and scope of distributing it to your employee base, it's translations. Uh, you now need to make sure that your code of conduct, policies, and the policy at least, are translated into languages so that employees can understand. And finally, number three is the document, document, document. That's going to be a big part of all of the compliance program going forward, but if you have the most gold standard compliance program, and you don't document it going forward in a regulator's eyes it never happened. So this last point can be uh, cannot be overemphasized the do- importance of di- documenting that you delivered it, you made it available, you trained on it, employee agreed to it and that that documentation is updated. This is Tom Fox, I thank you for listening to day 2 of 30 days to a better compliance program.